Welcome to the Fat Fuel Family Podcast, where every week, Danny and Maura Vega discuss topics that help families live a healthy and active lifestyle with their little ones, including nutrition and training, peaceful parenting, education, and mindset. To stay up to date, make sure to hit subscribe on this podcast and check out the blog at www.fatfuel.family. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram at dannyvega.ms, at fatfueledmom, and at fatfueledkids, and fatfueledfamily on YouTube. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Fat Field Family Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Vega, and I'm joined by my very cheerful wife right now. How are you, my love? I'm doing great, really great. Uh, why are we excited? I'm super excited because I've been wanting to have this guest in particular on our podcast since forever, since I read her really, really hysterical Amazing book. book. Yes. Yeah. It's such a great read, really. It it's really such is. a fun read, yeah. And uh, I just want everybody to mentally prepare their feelings for this episode. <laughs> you know, massage the feelings. You know, pre-massage them, warm yeah. them up. Uh, Do a they might be hurt. You know, you might your feelings might be hurt. You might feel challenged, but just take it as an opportunity to realize that maybe there are a few things that that we're not mindful of and that we can change. And um, I just really looking forward to this. Let's talk about our guest because uh, we're super excited. So this week's guest is well known for her views on parenting and ideas, including Free Range Kids, which is also the title of her book. And she's the president of Let Grow, a nonprofit promoting childhood independence and resilience. She's not afraid to speak her mind about many topics. And that's what we love most about her. She was previously a regular columnist for the New York Sun until 2008 and has done stints at NPR, Mad Magazine and the New York Daily News. Currently most well-known for her show, World's Worst Mom, <laughs> which is about training overprotective parents to give their children more independence. She's become both a provocative and stir-creating name with more attention than ever. She's also starred in the show's Bubble Wrap Kids, Hashtag No Joke, and Penn and & Teller. And today we will be talking about the silent killer in your pantry <laughs> and why kids should wear leashes. Uh, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> Strap it in because we're about to talk about one of the most controversial topics ever, parenting. Welcome to the show, America's Worst Mom, Lenore <laughs> Skenazi. <laughs> Not really. Uh, I, I, I don't know. After that introduction, I was fine. Just <laughs> a moment ago, right? I'm a little bad about myself. I don't know. I know. I feel, I feel <laughs> weird saying this, but I, I figured you've, you, you've let it uh, go for yeah, all the years. Yeah, that's true. I'm flying my freak flag. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm America's Worst Mom. I uh, got that title because it's, God, it's 11 or 12 years ago. I let my nine-year-old ride the subway here in New York City by himself, wrote a column about it for that paper you mentioned, the New York Sun. Uh, two days later, I was on the Today Show, MSNBC, Fox News, and NPR, sort of spanning the spectrum <laughs> there, um, defending myself, defending my decision to let him do something on his own without me there. And um, that's what got me the title, America's Worst Mom. <laughs> Now you know. <laughs> so, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. People are so brutal. I mean, really. <laughs> we're going to definitely get more into that. And um, yeah, we're going to dig deeper into all that and, and you know, the story of, you know, you letting him do that. But we always lead off with the qu- question, what is the most, most critical problem you're currently trying to solve? Oh, let's see. We have 24 hours. Uh, I'd say... Uh, <laughs> I know, right? The umbrella idea that, that we're working on all the time at Let Grow is... The new idea, it doesn't feel new because it's pervasive, but the new idea that kids can't do anything on their own, that anytime a parent lets their kids out of their sight, either, you know, for real, like letting them walk down the street or play in the woods or electronically, like letting them go without some kind of tracking gadget on them, that the parent is irresponsible and the child is going to (laughs) die. So um, there's that. 
that that is really um it's become a sort of across the board belief without even us thinking about it or even getting to vote on it or even thinking about what the the repercussions are. And it's not true. I mean, kids can do a lot of stuff on their own. And I think they suffer when we don't let them do anything on their own. So that would be, I guess that's the overarching thing we talk about every day. Yeah. And it's a big problem. And I think half the problem is that people don't realize how far we've come and how quickly mm-hmm. this transition Well, we're now starting to see some of these repercussions, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, I've heard stories of full-blown adults interviewing for jobs, having their moms <laughs> call in. So, you know, yeah. there's, yeah. you know, we're starting to see the repercussions of this. So that's why this is a great time, you know, for this to really pick up speed and this message to be blasted, really, because it's something that I think really needs to change or we're going to just have, like, all these fragile adults yeah. <laughs> with hurt feelings walking around everywhere, you know, it's just. Yeah. Wait, so um, that's funny because that's actually the words we're using internally when we think about it. It's like treating children as fragile makes them so, <laughs> makes them fragile. But um, oh, how right. do you see that? Because I'm happy that you're not me and you're noticing this. So so tell me a little bit about the fragility that you're seeing. So the the two things that I see are, it's a combination of, our lives being the most convenient they've ever been. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I was a kid, I used to have to save up my money. If I wanted to buy like a music tape, like an album Mm -hmm. or something, I would save my money. (laughs) Yeah, you remember (laughs) that. How does a tape work? Yeah, okay. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, if I wanted to buy one of those things, maybe an eight track. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and and, and you'd save your money. And and after a few months, when when you saved up your 10, dollars you know your mom or whatever would take you to the store and possibly once the errands were done you would possibly get your whatever it was but nowadays you know you have amazon prime where things can be things can be given to you right away and you combine that with the culture i start to see really scary things like i'll give you an example yesterday we were at jujitsu because the boys do jujitsu and that's part of our whole thing is you know putting them in uncomfortable positions and having them uh, be comfortable with being with failing with failing and yeah and being in like precarious you know spots mm-hmm. and in the middle of class my oldest looked over and mm-hmm. saw that his two nerf guns were being played with uh <laughs> while he was in class and and he started crying in class and i was just so flabbergasted <laughs> by this i didn't even know what to do i was like you're literally crying first of all you you're in the middle of class and you're crying about, you know, these two plastic toys and this is really affecting you. And I'm thinking in my mind, like, what am, what am I missing? Where, where, and there's a lot of work to be done and we have to understand obviously age appropriate behavior uh-huh. and all that. But it, it's just nowadays, these kids, uh, they're very, they don't handle adversity well. They don't know how to solve conflicts without an running to an adult. Yeah, yeah that's like, another thing that I see over, running, you know. Right. Of course, I'm going to run to an adult yeah. if there's always an adult there. <laughs> so what, right, what is that? Exactly. Yeah. Right. right, solving right. the problem. I mean, you know, it's this sort of round robin thing of one of the reasons that we're so, um, we spend so much time with our kids is that when we're spending a lot of time with our kids, we see all the things that drive us crazy. You know, they're scared, they're whining, they want something, (laughs) they're upset with what a friend did. And so um, they're not watching closely enough when they cross the street. That's my pet peeve. Um, And and the reason they're not watching closely is because they're with me, (laughs) right? And obviously I'm watching like a hawk. Exactly. So uh, it's almost like if we weren't spending time or all our time and all their time with them, then they would have to develop some of those um, 
coping skills that they don't have to develop if there's some, you know, if we're sort of there, if we're, if we're like concierges, you know, making sure that they get what they need and nobody upsets them too much. And, you know, oh, you're bored, we'll move, we'll do something new. So um, it just, it, 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 um, it just keeps becoming this vicious circle. You're with them, you see that they're unhappy, or they're not doing something right. So you stay with them some more so that they don't develop the skills that they would need, that they would develop if you weren't there. Yep, absolutely. And it's so funny that you said that about the crossing the street because <laughs> I it, like a clear example of that is my my our oldest son Desmond, he he's, you know, a little bit more of like a free spirit. He's not usually ever paying attention. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. he's more aloof. And one of the things is he he doesn't pay attention when he's crossing the street when I'm there. Mm-hmm. But it's really funny because he also likes to be independent for certain things. So like one of the things that we let him do, you know, that other people probably, you know, look at him weird for mm-hmm. is like, he saves his money and like, I'll drop him off, you know, and I'm waiting in the parking lot, mm-hmm. you know, uh, at the dollar store mm, I love the so that he can store. walk in and yeah. And he walks in by himself mm-hmm. and goes, you know, and picks something and then comes back out. And it's funny cause I watch him and he's like, quadruple checking the street when yeah, I'm not there of course he is, because he's it's on it's on him now right you know? yeah. mom's not there right. so he has that sense of responsibility so it's just funny how that works how, how old is he now he just turned eight okay great so right around almost the age your son was and, and, and <laughs> we and, let him walk over the mailbox and stuff but he asks you yeah, know of course. and and on that topic of crossing the street you know I think we should be uh as as paranoid as anyone else because Last August, our four-year-old was run over by a car. Yeah, he, that actually did happen to us. And thank oh God. Oh, my it, God. Yeah, yes. I mean, he's, oh, he's, my God. It was a nightmare, but he's fine. I'll yeah. save you any undue, uh, you know, cra- you know, feelings and to let, let you know that he is 100% healthy. Oh. He's a miracle. And wow. he is so much stronger because of this experience. And obviously, it was the worst day of our lives. And we had to go through. There was adults there, though. Like, it could have literally happened to anyone yeah. the way that the situation was and that's the thing sometimes it is just fate yeah. you know like we saw the video we had like you know the ring app our our neighbor showed us mm-hmm. the video luckily my wife didn't see it oh she my god i would never I, watch I told it, her she never watch it. it. no i don't want to watch it i was i was was we were back home after like you know four days mm-hmm. in the hospital and mm-hmm. you know plastic surgery oh his god. ear was torn off and all, just a bunch of stuff and you know i was we were all recovering and and i said you know my sister, my, my wife's cousin is handling the case with the, you know, the people at fault. And I should look at this to see, you know, make sure that this story is in line with what my mm-hmm. oldest told me happened. Right. And obviously, you know, that was the reason why, but I shouldn't have, because it just, oh, you know, it affected it in me your so brain. Badly. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. But, you know, but you look at this kid now and like he's the type of person based on his experiences because he's gotten his hand caught in an elevator. Just, like, yeah, he's my he's had, poor thing. Like, <laughs> you're lucky you're not like bailed by Child Protective Services. <laughs> I know, right? I know. For real. I know. And, and you know, all these things. But you look at the kid and he is so strong. Wow. He's so tough. Wow. Like, you know, right. he gets punched in the face in class and it's like he, he, he like he looks like a rock'em soccer robot. <laughs> like his head is just going back. <laughs> And he's like, okay, now it's my turn, you know, like, and he'll just go punch back. So wow. it's amazing to see that. And I don't wish that upon anyone, but I also, at the same time, we're not going to live in fear, you know? Yeah. And knowing what came on the, on the back end, how much closer we got as a family and all these things, 
I am just grateful for the experience because it really, it really has made him stronger. So let me talk about that for one second, if I can. Um, yeah. First of all, I'm so glad that this has a happy ending. I, I hate hearing stories, obviously, of, of sad things happening to any kids. Um, but recently I've been trying to get like, like deeper and deeper into why are we so afraid as parents and why do we tend to blame parents when anything goes wrong? And what I love about your description of what happened is that, you know, there were adults around. Sometimes things happen due to fate. And I feel like we don't we don't believe that very much anymore. You know, uh, in England, they want to get rid of the word accident yeah. Yeah. because if uh, an accident implies that, gosh, something just went wrong. Whereas they think that like an, no one to blame, right? an accident always means that there's somebody to blame. And when you start right. thinking that way, and I feel like we have started thinking that way as a, as a country. And the example I sometimes give is remember that mom's kid, fell into the gorilla cage at a zoo a couple oh, of years yes. ago. Yeah. Harambe. Right, exactly. It was it was horrible. It was just awful all around. But but um the idea that the mom was to blame because for um you know a short time she didn't have her eyes on her kid and something completely unpredictable and unprecedented <laughs> happened. And everyone's yeah. saying, you know, oh, that bitch, you know, why, you know, why wasn't she watching? Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, so it's, it's so bad. Right. So that, I think, just illustrates the idea that we are, um, we sort of jumped to the idea that if anything bad ever happens to a kid, it's because of an adult, usually a mom, um, who wasn't paying enough attention mm -hmm. to them. And that make makes us feel like, we can't possibly take our eyes off our kids because if something does happen, um, it will be all our fault. No one will sympathize. Everyone will blame. And that, I think, is what has changed since certainly when I was growing up, because in the quote unquote olden days, which is a generation or possibly at this point two ago, um, if I wiggled away from my mom at, you know, the, the carnival or something and my mom was telling the story later about, you know, it took an hour to find me. All the other moms would go, can you, well, kids are so, you know, kids, what are you going to do with them? Boy, they'll yeah. drive you crazy, won't they? That must have been horrible. I really feel bad for you. And I feel like now the, 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 you know, you tell that story, my kid got away and I couldn't find him for an hour. It's like, first of all, oh my God, anything could happen. You're just lucky he wasn't abducted and killed. And why didn't you have him? Oh, on a leap? Why didn't you write your phone number on his arm? Why didn't you take a picture of him right before you got to the carnival that you could give to the FBI so that they could, you know, do an Amber Alert? And it's, it's, it's suddenly it's all, it's, so true. it's all blame as opposed to we're all in this together and some empathy for parents because parenting is never perfect. Yeah. So I, I worry that by by thinking that nothing ever goes wrong except by somebody being irresponsible, an irresponsible jerk, we feel like we have no wiggle room at all and we must watch our kids 24-7 and that's driving it us is, crazy. It really, really is. And I wonder, there's a similar, you know, whenever we try to control outcomes, that's where I think we get into issues because you can put your kid in a good environment, <laughs> mm -hmm. in a winning environment, and we're totally all about that, you know, prepare them, you know, yeah, you should know my number. You should know my phone number. You should know my wife's phone numbers in case you need it. Yes. And, you know, empower them, you know, every now and then ask him, hey, do you remember my phone number? Things like that. But it, it's this whole yep. Yep. thing that we're trying to actually think that we can control yeah, every single thing. outcome. Everyone thinks that they and can control everything. There's so many everything. possibilities. Yeah. It's just like there's no way. Right. You know, 
Oh, you're, you're hitting every, I mean, I feel like I like a base. Oh, I was telling you, this is why we've been a fan of yours. You're mentioning everything. This is so interesting. So the control issue is when I talk about why did we get so much more afraid than our parents? Um, you know, my mom let me walk to school at age five. She didn't, you know, she wasn't a crazy person. She was doing what everyone in our, I grew up in suburban Chicago, what everybody mm-hmm. did. It was not, um, it was not considered irresponsible, but now. Um, because we believe we can control everything, we are, you know, it's it's an enormous burden. And to a certain extent, technology makes it even worse because you can use technology to know where your kid is at every moment and um, what they're doing and what websites they went to and who they're texting and what their blood oxygen level is. There's I know, I've heard of that. Oh, one. my goodness. Things yes, it's written in the book. Right, I remember. put on your... So um, that makes you sort of like God. I mean, nobody in the history of the world, when you write Harry Potter books, just like 10 years ago, the Marauder's Map was cool because you could see where a person was at any given time. Now it's like, duh, it's like, find my iPhone. (laughs) I mean, it's not, it's not magic anymore. It's not beyond the realm of possibility. It's something really banal. And so when you have all that omniscience, godlike omniscience, you feel like you have godlike control too, but you don't. Right. <laughs> and so so there's this this horrible tension between thinking you can control everything, being expected to control everything, like why did you let her kid fall into the you know the the gorilla pit? Um and and not being able to control everything because you can't. And so poor parents are stuck being on like really high alert. Um, you know, sort of the idea that you're supposed to be watching the baby monitor the whole night through when when the baby's sleeping. So you you should never sleep because your job is to be 24 hours seven on, on alert for your child. And and then if anything goes wrong, the the zero sympathy for you because right. clearly That's there's the no accidents yeah. and you were falling down on the job. Yeah. Uh, did you ever? You probably know about this story. Um, it was a, I think it was a journalist somewhere in Vermont or somewhere in New England where he he grew up in a, a rural area. It might have been Maine, and and he 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 did this really cool thirty year mm. case study. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. you know the average? Yeah, I met the guy. I wish my oh, that might have been in your name. book. Yeah. That might have been in your book. I I no, no, no. I met him. I only met him a couple of years ago, and the book is like five years old now. Oh, but, you're um, right. Yeah. yeah, he went back and he looked at um, the very same, you know, town and streets that he grew up in and uh, how much freedom he had had to, you know, to run around and to go this far or whatever. And then he went back and there's no kids outside. And yet there are still children being raised there. And he was trying to figure out, you know, how come the children have been sucked from the streets? You know, they were like eerily <laughs> empty. And there was actually a fantastic piece. Um, your listeners could Google it. It's really easy to find. It's, uh, it was in the Daily Mail, which is a, an English, uh, you know, a British uh, newspaper. And it was called How Children Lost the Right to Roam in Four Generations. And it was just a very stark. Yeah. Yes. It's, a, it's such a stark um, map. Because it's, it interviewed an 88-year-old great-grandpa, and he said he used to walk about six miles. He'd go to the fishing hole. He'd go to the woods, you know, make forts, whatever. They call them dens. And then they interviewed his 66-year-old son, who's a grandpa now. And he said he used to walk um, about a three-mile radius, and they showed this on the, on the map. And then his daughter, who was in her 40s, um, used to walk about either a mile or a half a mile to school. And then her son, who's eight, the age mm-hmm. of your kid, your older kid, and 
he was not allowed off of his block. Yeah. Um, that was, that was his entire world. And so it just showed this like constricting idea of what kids are given really. I mean, we think we're giving our kids all these great experiences and classes and toys. And actually what we're not giving them is the world (laughs) for them to enjoy or explore. And, and if crime was at, you know, peaking now, maybe that might make a little sense, but here in America, we're at a 50 year crime low. And so it's not like we're saving them from, you know, evils that never, uh, you know, the, the worst times ever. We were certainly running around in times when the crime rate was higher. Oh, yeah. If yeah, anything, and, my and mom was crazy. Our, our generation, like you said yeah. in your book, yeah. we, the 90s when our every parents were the craziest. Yeah, because the early, like the 80s and 90s were were the 90s 93 oh, yeah that's yeah, when i was a kid yeah, crime 93 right i was <laughs> wow. eight years old that's when i was eight years old and i was allowed to go around wow. my neighborhood and and it's funny because my mom now will the same mom who let me go around my neighborhood when i was yeah. eight at the peak of child abduction <laughs> what is the no thing? no there's never been a peak of child abduction. Oh, okay no, yeah, so it was just crime, crime. Oh, okay crime. it's just a right. violent crime yeah because right. child abduction is actually extremely rare i know i remember that from your book it's so rare yeah but yeah she'll exactly. she's the same one telling me oh yeah tell tell everyone that amazing fact oh yeah this is an amazing yes. amazing so if you wanted your child to be kidnapped um, by a stranger and i think <laughs> held overnight um, how long would you have to keep them outside unattended for this to be statistically likely to happen? We, we talked about read the book today. We know that. I know, I know so. the answer because I read the book. Well, why don't you say it? <laughs> right. It's like 750,000 years or something like that. It is. It is. <laughs> it's sort of like how many, you know, how many Powerball tickets would you have to buy? Um, right, right. So it's just, you know, it's really hard to keep this in perspective. And in fact, when you were asking, um, you know, what do I find is the, the biggest challenge or what was your question? What's the biggest problem the we're facing today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a weird one. I mean, I, I know I already said one. And so this is like a do over. <laughs> but um, okay. I got a letter today about, you know, some there had been some horrible kidnapping, I think, in Texas. And somebody wrote to me and said, that's why I will never let my kids out of my sight. And the thing is, when our parents were letting us go around, um, it's not like, you know, there was never any tragedy in the world or, you know, there was never any, you know, horrible uh, stranger danger. Uh, but somehow you didn't have to, your mom didn't have to go through her mind saying like, what would happen if my child was kidnapped and raped and eaten by a stranger? What about, let me think about, <laughs> you know, uh, Elizabeth Smart right. and there was JC Dugard and there was Kaylee Anthony and there was this and that. I couldn't live with myself. No, I just won't do it. My mom didn't go through that list in her head right. because that hadn't become the hallmark of good parenting to, to repeat to yourself the worst case scenarios right. and let them influence how you decide what kind of, you know, how much freedom you want to give your kids. And that's, you know, if you ask me, like, what would I like to have a do-over in in our culture? I would like to get rid of that. I would like to get rid of us going to the worst case scenario first and using that as the, um, as the, the, the marker of how we, you know, what we let our kids do today. Because if you do that, I mean, we only do that with stranger danger. We don't do that with stairs. Oh my God, if my kid walked down the stairs and fell, I would never forgive myself. Or Driving cars. into a car. What yeah, if cars are very They're the most dangerous. The, the number one way kids die is as car passengers. Car. Yeah. But, but we only do it when it comes to um, 
taking our eyes off our kids. That's that's right. what we've decided to dangerize. If you're with your kid and they fall down the stairs, well, you were a good mom anyway. If you're with your kid and you're driving them, you're hit by a drunk driver, well, you were a good mom anyway. Right. If something happens to your kid when you're not with them, it's all your fault. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And and that's a perfect segue to, you know, the next thing I wanted to talk about because it's this whole helicopter parenting or or what you're now referring to as helicopter culture. And that's a term we really right. relate to because it seems to be a culture, it's a whole culture that we're battling against. And we don't we don't have cable, we don't watch the news, but oh, you know, even a quick scroll, we don't because that's like that's telling you what what you gotta buy, what you gotta What are you gonna be scared of, of right? Yeah. Yes. But you but you scroll on Facebook. And it's going to tell you about the next recall, the next missing child, all the yeah. other things we should be ter- terrified about. And, you know, this culture affects parents like us who are trying to give mm-hmm. our children some independence. What, what can you say to these parents when they're, when they're talking about, you know, let's say they're listening to true crime podcasts or they're, they're <laughs> looking at all these different statistics. Look at those statistics. They should reassure you rather than frighten you. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, but it's true. It's this culture that we have to be concerned about because it's funny that when my kids are actually outside playing, my main concern is who's going to call the cops, not not yeah. whether or not they're going to get abducted. It's who's going right. to who's going to come be like, hey, your kids, you know, it even happens at the park sometimes. Like when my child is doing something that they have been doing, they've been climbing that mm-hmm. that slide. Oh, God, heaven forbid the wrong way climbing <laughs> up the slide. Heaven forbid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like there's another mom that's like watching them for me yeah. you know like who's watching the child and i'm like dude they are <laughs> and then the, the okay. worst part is they take them down once or they pull them already, down <laughs> they've already climbed the thing they take you know, them and down. taking yeah. away that little victory yeah we've seen that we've seen them like take them down already when the child's already climbed the mountain you know the wow. child's already at the top they did it and they, they've run away and scoop the child take the child down and you know of course this is why we we have to hang out with parents who are like us so we don't have to worry about when the kids are fighting that someone's going to step in mm-hmm. and make someone share or make someone do mm-hmm, something, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, it's important because, you know, a lot of parents, I think I feel they feel pressured when they're in these situations to step in. Right. Even if it's not the way they think. Right. right? Now it's, it's yeah. a weird, uh, a weird parenting moment for sure. And the reason we, I talk about parent, you know, helicopter culture and not helicopter parents is because of exactly what you're just saying. Even if you want your kid, to climb up the slide the wrong way, there'll be somebody there. Or even if you want your kid to play outside, to have to think about, you know, is somebody going to find this dangerous and, you know, chastise me or, you know, call 911. So there, there are schools that won't let your child get off the school bus in the afternoon without having an adult there to walk them home. Sometimes up to Rhode Island tried to pass a law that would be up to seventh grade. You would have to have an adult there. So it's like, moms, just you know, or possibly dads, but really moms, just quit your job and be at the bus stop every day. I don't care if the kids, you know, I don't care if the bus stop is at the end of your driveway. That's literally a case that we heard. Um, you must be out there to walk them in. So, wow. so even if you want to be as free spirited, free range, let grow as, as, you know, as anything, as all get go, uh, you know, there are a lot of cultural impediments. And so uh, at let grow, you know, so for 10 years, I was free range kids, right? I wrote the book, I started the blog, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, and, and I would go around speaking about this. And so many people would nod along saying like, yeah, what a crazy culture. And, you know, I'm really, you know, sick of it. But there was nothing, there was nothing would change after 
thinking about it or talking about it. I mean, it, there was an awareness that there's something strange going on in the culture, but it was impossible to change behaviors because if you're the only mom sending your two kids to the park, you know, right. there's nobody there for them to play with, you know, and there's a possibility that some busybody will yell at you. And if you're the, and if you want your kid to walk home from the bus stop and the school says no, what can you do? So um, we started Let Grow, which is a nonprofit. And it was me and um, Jonathan Haidt, who wrote The Coddling of the American Mind. Everyone thinks his last name is Haidt. Yes. And Peter. Oh, you see, I did think it was Haidt. Yeah. Yeah. Haidt, yeah. Um, and uh, Daniel Shuckman, who used to be the head, the chairman of a group called FIRE, which fights for free speech on campus. And Peter Gray, yes. Dr. Peter Gray, who we love, love Peter Gray. Gray. Love him. Yes. Free to learn. Free to learn. He's the author of the book, Free to Learn. He talks about how kids don't really learn anything unless they're um, curious and engaged, and especially that happens in play. And and so the four of us all recognized that there was, you know, that this this overprotective culture was actually crushing the souls <laughs> and the uh, and the the can do spirit of um, a lot of American kids. So uh, we decided that rather than just trying to change thought, we wanted to change behavior. And so we have two. Uh, school initiatives, both of them free. We don't make any money on this. Um, that uh, that I'd like to describe to you because I think that they are a way um, to, to sort of go forward from this this overprotective culture. One is Peter Gray's idea. It's the Let Grow Play Club, and it's as simple as this: a school stays open before or after school for free play. There's an adult there in case you know of a broken bone or whatever, but they aren't organizing the games. They aren't solving the spats. They are just there um, like a lifeguard at a pool, you know, and so the kids have to figure out, you know, what are we going to play and what are the rules and um, was the ball in or out? And especially if you put out some cardboard boxes and balls and jump ropes and I don't know, traffic cones, just all sorts of junk for them to play with the the imagination and the capabilities of these kids just is astounding. I mean, they they come up with cities and they come up with, uh, you know, games and they have to describe the rules and they have to um, work out who's going to be on the teams to make it fair. And in doing that, they're learning every skill that you want them to have. They're learning compromise, communication, creativity. Um, they're learning leadership. They're learning how to get along. They're learning how to read the other person that they're playing with, read their face you know, like maybe they're doing some rough and tumble play and realize like this is going from fun to angry and to pull back. And that's how you learn how to um, how to get along, you know, how to understand people. It's the basics of empathy. And, and when you have all different age kids playing together, we interviewed the kids at a play club and all the older kids were saying, like, what I really liked was teaching the little kids a game or seeing when somebody looked lonely and going up and playing tag with them. So, so there's this joy in empathy that kids don't even have in their regular lives because somebody, somebody else is telling them what to do and they don't get to really figure out other kids. So, so the let grow play club is so simple, even though we have, we have, you know, we have discussions about it. We have videos about it on our site, but it's basically giving kids back the freedom to play that that you don't get when you're in an organized activity. That's it. Yeah. I and you, it. you know, it's, it's this whole thing that we, I've been thinking about because someone, Maura's mom asked, you know, what time in history would you want to live in if you had a mm-hmm. choice? <laughs> and, you know, I, I will always say now um, because, yeah. you know, think about just 50 years ago, women, you know, minorities, all the, and, and of right. course, yeah. the convenience. <laughs> Right. Yeah, all of all of those crazy things. But then at the same time, I 
I do think that we we need to make it simplified a little bit more because we have all these flashing toys. They're bright colored. They they do everything for you. They don't. You, there's no thinking. There's mm-hmm. no imagination, mm-hmm. and there's nothing like the that. The kids never like those anyways, which yeah. is the funny. Part. Yeah, they're boring. It's amazing. With that. Right. They mm-hmm. always right. gravitate toward what you said. The cardboard boxes, the knickknacks. <laughs> like every time we come home from Costco, they're mm-hmm. they're taking the boxes and they're making things with the boxes, and like. That's cool, especially mm-hmm. for parents who who think that they need money to give their kids a good life. Um, oh, so. and, and it's just not true. Mm-mm. It's just not true. Right. So anyways, I just wanted to say one other thing about the play club. Um, of course. Because you're so right that, you know, the kids do gravitate to coming up with ideas. Uh, there, there's, um, there's an expression about toys that the best toy is 90% kid, Right. Like, like a doll versus yeah. Tickle Me Elmo. You know, a doll could be a grown-up right. or a baby, and Tickle Me Elmo is having a great time, and the kid is just watching them like TV. So um, I feel like, yeah. right. So, um, so anyways, the other thing about a play club that's great is that it is simplified in that, first of all, it's straightforward. It's just free play. And also, it's at school. So that's where the kids already were. So whether you're in a dangerous neighborhood, a safe neighborhood, you know, suburban, urban, your kids are already there, or certainly the, not the homeschooled kids, but the, the going to school kids are there, and there's a critical mass of them. And so um, it's just a very easy way to just, you know, you extend the day, and for the last two or three hours, all they're doing is playing. So that's one idea from Let Grow. The other Let Grow idea is the Let Grow Project. And this one is even simpler because it doesn't require anybody at school to do anything. It's the teachers tell the kids to go home and their homework is to do one thing on their own without their parents. <laughs> and so oh it's, it, it's so transformative and it is so, it doesn't take class time. It doesn't take money. The kids talk about with their parents, what they want to do. We give, you know, there's, you can download a list of ideas. It goes from everything from make a sandwich to, you know, ride your bike to the store and, and you know, get a cake mix or whatever. And, um, and because the school is saying to do this, suddenly all the parents who have been sort of paralyzed with fear because they don't know when they're allowed to let their kids start doing anything on their own. Suddenly everybody's given a, you must do this. And it makes it easy. You know, I'm not the only one sending my kid outside because everyone is sending their kid outside. And right. we've heard great stories like one town in Connecticut started doing the Let Grow Project. And a kid from the school ended up going to the supermarket there, to actually to a regular little market there. And, um, and all the employees were like, where's his mother? You know, and finally they asked him, you know, hey, kid, why are you here on your own? You know, that's unusual. The kid had to be under fifth grade. So um, 10 or under. And he said, well, I'm doing my mm-hmm. let grow project. And like, what the heck is that? And he said, oh, I have to do something on my own. Blah, blah, blah. It. And they said, well, all right. He said for school. And then after that, of course, more kids started coming to the market. And now it's, <laughs> it's normal. Right now it's like, oh, it's a let grow kid. It's I a let grow it. kid. And so... Oh. I mean, the whole idea behind Let Grow is to make it easy, normal, and legal to give our kids back some of that independence. So the easiness is that they have to do it. You're pushed. And and normal is everybody's doing it. And then legal is something else we're working on. We're trying to get states to pass free-range parenting laws that say it's, you know, it's it's reasonable behavior to let your kids, you know, play outside, walk to school, wait briefly in a car, or... Um, come home with a latch key. So these are decisions that parents make all the time. And um, unless there's some evidence of blatant disregard for a kid's safety, it should just be assumed that like 
you know, parents love their kids more than the busybody with the with the phone going by. And so let's just assume that the parents made a decent decision for their circumstances at their time, at that time. I, I love the, the last part on the policy because right, that's I, I don't know if I heard you talk about it. I heard it somewhere else recently about how kids now, if their parents don't pick them up at the bus stop, I think they get like three chances. And yeah, then yeah, that was me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's They're, crazy. They, they take them all the way to the bus depot, which could, could very well be miles away. In, in a secluded, you know, warehouse Which district. sounds like the creepiest place. That sounds yeah. creepy. Yeah, I don't want to be there. <laughs> I mean, like taking these yeah, no, that, oh. Right. That was, that was a mom in Kentucky wrote to us because the school's rule was that the kid, um, her kid, I think, was seven, eight or nine. I actually don't remember. And he wasn't allowed to get off the bus stop um, without an adult there to pick him up. And so the mother worked, but the, the grandfather was uh, in charge of picking him up. And one day that grandpa was in the bathroom, so he didn't pick up the kid. And one day the kid was supposed to stay at school and everybody's signals got mixed up. So he took the bus home. The grandpa wasn't there because he didn't expect the kid. So that's two out of their three chances. Third chance, third time um, there isn't an adult there to pick up the kid. The school said that they would call Child Protective Services. And, um, you know, what could be worse than having, you know, the government threaten to do something to your family um, simply because you trust your child, you trust your community, you trust your own parenting, and you've decided that for your circumstances, the best thing is for your kid to walk a block or two home. I mean, why is that up to someone else and not you? If you think it's safe, and statistically it's really safe, and it would take 750,000 years for it to be statistically likely for your child mm-hmm. to be kidnapped, um, why are you not allowed to make that decision? So we do have, um, Utah passed a law last year that they called the Free Range Parenting Law um, that said that, um, you know, these normal things, letting your kid walk outside or play outside or whatever, shall not be considered negligence. And um, we have had a couple of laws proposed this year. One of them got through, you know, the, the state Senate, but not the state house. And so it has to come back next year. And there have been, um, we're waiting to hear what happened to Texas. Texas was voting on a law like this. Arkansas passed not a law that said that, but a proclamation, which is just a little less powerful than a law that said that, you know, parents have the right to let their kids play outside, God forbid. Um, so we're hoping that that more states will will look into this because there's a chilling effect that you just talked about. If a parent thinks, I know my kid is old enough to come home with a latch key, and frankly, I work two jobs and I can't afford a babysitter and he's nine, why can't I, why do I have to worry that I will be second guessed? This is what works for me. So let's hope that um, more states start considering these free range parenting laws. And if they're interested, if you go to letgrow.org, um, L-E-T-G-R-O-W.org, Wait, I'm going to go there right now. And you click on the bottom. I think there's something that says, oh, my God. Uh, it should say something like uh, legislation or policy. It says policy. So um, it's just, you know, there's all sorts of um, little helpful things, including wording if you want to propose that policy. Yeah, it says uh, yeah. state policies. No, free range law. Awesome. I, yeah, sorry. 
Yeah, I love that. We'll put all of that in the show notes for sure so everyone can check it out after. Um, and to elaborate a little bit on, you know, kind of like the stats, because I think pe- obviously people really aren't looking at the stats because they must believe that it's so crazy out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any other examples of, you know, how much safer it is now? I know we have our 750 years stat. Right, 750,000 years. I write that down. 750,000 yeah. years. So I'm going back. I'm, now I'm on the Let Grow site, which is just filled with stuff that people don't look at. <laughs> but if they did. If you go to the very bottom of Letgro, which I'm doing right now, I'm clicking on the under resources. It says crime stats. And let me click on it and I'll read you some. Okay. Uh, crime has dropped precipitously in the last quarter century, says the Brennan Center for Justice at NYU. The crime rate went down again in 2017, says the Brennan Center. The crime rate is back to the level of 1967, according to a chart that I, I link to. Crime is back to the level it was when gas cost 29 cents a gallon, says the Christian Science Monitor. Crime is back to the level it was before color TV, says the Week magazine. Wow. And crime level, the crime, the gun crime rate back is back to the early 60s. So um, so it's all it's crime. Down, it's not down, because down, we're down. helicoptering, because I know some would argue, right? Some people might argue, oh, it's because we're helicoptering, but it is all crime. It's not just yes. child abduction. Right, right, right. No, all, all violent crime is down, and it's down against yeah. adults, and we're not helicoptering them. So it's, right. you know, people are, uh, I don't blame people for having the wrong perspective, because if you're not looking at letgrow.org and clicking on crime stats, you're watching you know, <laughs> exactly. you're watching TV, which will always, if it bleeds, it leads. Or you're on Facebook and another mom has posted something about, I was at Ikea and some people almost sex trafficked my children, but I stared them down. Oh, oh I love that. Yeah. So <laughs> we're surrounded by very scary stories in a time that is not perfect because no time will ever be perfect, but in a time that is... Um, the safest time ever uh, to be a child in America. And that's not according to me. That's according to the Washington Post. So, um, you know, it's really hard to keep perspective when fear is all around us. And what we were talking about earlier, there is no um, no grace given to those um, parents for whom something terrible does happen. It's all, we just, we're so uh, eager to, it's, it's like we used to blame rape victims. We'd say, oh, it was her fault. You know, she oh my gosh, know yeah. her yeah, exactly. dress was too short or she was out too late. And then we realized like, excuse me, nobody's asking to get raped. <laughs> right. But somehow yeah. we feel yeah. fine blaming parents when something happens to a child. So I was just going to give you one last thing that I wanted to talk about, which is a way it's like a sort of perspective giver, I think, and, and a calming idea that I just recently heard. And I can't believe I've been talking about the same topic for 12 years. And I only heard this idea recently, but I love it. <laughs> so I was talking to a professor of religion named Alan Levinovitz, and he teaches at James Madison University in Virginia. And he studies sort of the way we almost you know, the, the role of religion in modern life is, is right. really sort of his broad idea and sort of how we create our own religious taboos. But um, one calming thing that he has studied is something called wabi-sabi. It's a, oh, it's a yes, Japanese. I love that term. Oh, it's yes. so cool, right? Yes, right. Yes, so, yes. So, so it's this Japanese philosophical idea, which is that perfection is not only impossible, it's something you don't want. It's not right. even beautiful. And the, the, the classic, uh, I guess, Japanese example is, you know, a vase, a perfect, gorgeous vase cracks. 
And when you glue the base back together, instead of like trying to hide the crack, you you pour liquid gold into that crack. And that's the beauty of the vase is the crack, right? Because otherwise it's a little boring. And the example, the example that, um, that uh, Alan Levinovitz gave uh, with parenting is that like, think about, you know, it's, it's picture day at school and you forgot. Okay. And (laughs) your cute little kid is going to school and his hair is sticking up and he's wearing his favorite t-shirt, which is worn to shreds and it's ugly and it, it has a picture of Barney on it, you know. And so every other kid in that yearbook is, you know, wearing their tie or their cute little uniform and their hair is perfect and their teeth are cute. And then there's your kid who looks like a schlub, right? He's just <laughs> completely goofy, right? He's the one with the hair sticking up and the Barney T-shirt. And that is going to be your favorite yearbook ever, right? Yes. Yep. Yes. Yes. And, and the other thing uh, relating that to, you know, their experiences is, you know, struggles, um, they lead to resilience and then resilience mm-hmm. leads to confidence. And so you, you know, it builds character, it mm-hmm. builds character. And it's, it's because of that, like my scars, like I, I can scars, get that yeah. experience. Yeah. And, and just the learning. And you talked about, you talked about perspective and I, I think that's amazing because it's, it's a perception problem that we have, you know, in every aspect of life. We, we've talked about how our children, how they're perceived different. We used to see them as resilient. Now we treat them like fragile and capable people mm-hmm. that can't be trusted to do anything. And, you know, I want, I would love for you to talk about, you know, for development, how does mm-hmm. that affect their development mm-hmm. when we do all of these things? Sure. Um, well, when we talk about fragility, um, one of the aspects of that is anxiety, right? The feeling that you can't handle things. It's all overwhelming. You're not good enough. You're not capable enough. Well, if I mean, think what we're telling our kids when we're driving them everywhere instead of letting them ride their bikes and stepping in the second that there's um, something that we feel is going to discomfort them. Um, that makes you anxious mm-hmm. because suddenly you don't, not only do you not develop the skills to to deal with, you know, my, I got a flat tire and now I got to walk at home, and you you know you feel sort of triumphant if you do that, but you're not you're not getting any of that triumph, and at the same time you're being told it's too much for you, you can't handle that. Let me do it for you. And right. and once again, it's the helicopter culture, not the helicopter parents that are to blame. That is to blame because Parents Magazine had an article that I can't stop mulling. Um, that was about how to how to have a play date, which already is wrong, <laughs> right? What? <laughs> yeah, I have yeah. no interest in reading. But it is Here's a, your checklist. Here's your it checklist. is a checklist, and the the amazing thing is, of course, that this is the best read magazine in America of, by parents, and so so you read it and you think it has insight and and the and the answers because it was literally asked uh, the, this particular article was written like an advice column, and one of the questions was. If my kid is old enough to stay home by herself now while I run a brief errand, like going to the, I don't know, the dry cleaner or whatever. Um, but now she has a friend over, a play date, because not just a friend anymore, it's always a play date. Um, can she, can can I leave them while I do that errand? And the answer um, Parents Magazine gave was absolutely not. You want to be there if there's, what if there's a squabble? You want to be able to intervene before anyone's feelings get my too goodness. hurt. And so- what, what Parents Magazine is telling um, parents, literally, is that your child cannot handle a normal part of childhood and life, which is an argument with a friend. 
And so if you're always there saying like, oh my God, you can't handle that. And oh my God, where your feelings hurt. And you know, we got to talk about this and it's a federal case and let's get the therapist and what are we going to do? Um, you know, <laughs> I, those are, those are perfect anxiety creating circumstances because suddenly you've, you've, you've convinced your child that she is fragile and, and that makes them fragile. Yeah. And that's so funny that you say that because we are seeing the repercussions of this now. We have the highest rates of anxiety mm -hmm. with college students now. Mm -hmm. Kids going in for anxiety, panic attacks, crisis visits, like they're, they can't handle, they can't handle life, you know? Yeah. And it makes sense because. Well, it's also, they've been told that, you know, like everything in their life is riding on this is riding grade this, yeah. or this, oh, yeah. this uh, you know, worthless right. diploma that they're going to get, mm -hmm. the, yeah. you know, that's going to make them just like anybody else. And mm -hmm. they're just being completely blindsided when they hit the real world. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of scary to, 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 to think about like this perception that this 20 year old has, you know, in their sheltered lives and they, they graduate and when they actually get the job that they are qualified for mm -hmm. and it's half of what they expected to earn. I mean, I, that, that just plays into the, all of it. I know it's a little bit separate topic, but it's, it's definitely leads to this whole anxiety culture, this whole like and, well, you sympathetic can, well, culture. And also like, like everyone is offended now too. Like oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't, you have to be really careful. You can't offend <laughs> people. Right, right, right. Yeah. And well, that's why so, helicopter culture is great. So. Well, that, yeah. that is, I mean, like, why would you be offended if, you know, if somebody says something that hurts you? It's because somebody has always been saying nothing should ever hurt you. Parents Magazine told me as a mom to step in to make sure <laughs> that my child was never hurt. So this feeling of hurt feels like this shouldn't ever happen to me. You know, it's we're creating um, a society where the, the idea of discomfort is equated with a real threat to the being. I mean, you know, your mom has always been in there to make sure that you were never hurt and there was a, a trophy for whatever. And, I, you know, how can we blame kids for feeling um, hypersensitive and easily mm -hmm. um, scared if we've told them that every time um, they are unhappy, they deserve to be happy and we'll make it happen. <laughs> Yeah, right. That's, that's huge. very dangerous. <laughs> yeah, that's so huge. Where's my happiness? <laughs> I, I like that too. Right. I yeah. know, I know. Um, let's get into because I this I mean, and all of this is all on this topic, but you talk a lot about um, you know, expert advice and how we rely on so many experts now, and also what you call in the book the safety industrial complex. Yeah. Like there's an entire market yeah. for helicopter parents. Like how does this, you know, how does this play into to all of this, the experts and, and all the products and stuff that we have? Well, the experts are sort of what I was just talking about with the Parents Magazine. I mean, there's an expert telling you um, how to really micromanage your life and your child's life when actually you don't need a magazine to tell you if you can let your kid stay home alone or not. Uh, and, and, and what does the expert end up telling you? Often it's that it's very dangerous. You haven't considered everything that could possibly go wrong and, and therefore it's scaring you again. So, um, you know, I'm not totally against people studying things and thinking about them and actually becoming experts. I'm, right. I'm happy. I talked to that religion guy talking about Wabi Sabi. And I mean, that that was an expert about religion telling me something new. So it's, it's the expert hectoring. It's the 
five things to say to your child at breakfast so that they feel like a champion. It's like, really, do I have to be told how to talk to my kid? Um, it just, it's an insult to me and it's an insult to my child's spirit that I can't just have some banter back and forth and maybe say the quote unquote wrong thing. Like there's a right and a wrong thing every time there just isn't. And it's the idea that there is, is one of the things that's driving parents crazy. And there's always a new list of things that you should be feeding your kid or telling your kid or reading to your kid or enrolling your kid in. And, um, you know, think about the big wide world where kids are not eating or hearing or reading or doing any of the things that this expert has just told us to do. Think about Mongolia. Think about, you know, the, the, the steps <laughs> of Russia. I mean, they're probably the same thing. I'm really bad at um, geography. But the point is that, you know, <laughs> as somebody once said, if there was a right way to do it, to raise kids, we'd all be doing it. And there isn't. There's just no right way. So the experts are, uh, you know, the, the idea that there is a right way and that we must be up on the latest study and the latest book is not true. Two <laughs> things that that came to mind when you were talking about that. The, the first thing that I thought about was if you're if you're you know talking from a script, your child is going to see that lack of authenticity. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, and that, yeah, it's so weird. It's, the kids are going <laughs> to see right through that. And then I think the other thing too that I think a lot of parents don't think about is making whatever philosophy that you believe in and whatever making that a way of life and being consistent. Because I think a lot of these parents they they get excited maybe. And then they do whatever mm -hmm. it is for like a few weeks. Um, and then they don't, they don't, it doesn't stick because yeah. they're not, they're not consistent with it. So they're, they're, maybe they, they read your book and so a few weeks they were, they were, you know, letting their kids do more stuff. And, and then they kind of defaulted back to that right. whole, you know. Oh, uh, you know, that's, that's sort of, I mean, I'm like that too. So I can't yeah. really get Yeah, that we're, out. we're like well, that we're in practice. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, I mean, if something interests you and you want to pursue it, pursue it. But it could be that after a few weeks, you think, ah, this is not the way I, you know, I like doing X on Saturday morning, so I'm not going to bother. That's, that's by the way, why the Let Grow Project, I have to, I have to blog it again, is because once everyone in your neighborhood is letting your kids play outside, then it's, you don't need to make it, you know, a habit or I must remember every day, you know, from nine to nine thirty, let the kids play on the weekends. It's, you know, it just becomes normal. Your kid hears another kid outside and out they run. And so you don't have to, you know, it sort of runs on automatic pilot and on the fact that kids love being around other kids and love being outside. So if you can, if you can get your school to do the let grow project or your community center or your church or your, um, you know, any other um, institution that has a bunch of kids. parents, maybe, for homeschoolers. For parents, you know, for, homeschool yeah, homeschoolers, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Because, you know, don't you want to get rid of your kids for a while? Here's how to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that's true. Exactly. But in terms of, um, you asked about the the safety industrial complex, yeah. and and that also that. really undermines our um, our confidence in the world and in our kids because, the way most safety devices are marketed is, you know, this will give you peace of mind. And in fact, right. by making you afraid, <laughs> they do the opposite of giving you peace of mind. So the, the best example is all these, um, uh, like the the device that you put on your baby that's it looks like a little sock. It's called the owlet, and um, oh and goodness. it gives oh, it yeah. and it's it's for your kid while they're sleeping in a crib, and it gives you a constant readout of their um, temperature movement, um, uh, blood pressure and blood oxygen level, which I, I did. Yeah. Like if they're in the NICU or something. Yes. Yes. So suddenly you're, you're healthy 
child sleeping in a crib is not a chance for you to go, oh, thank God, finally, you know, and go drink a margarita. It's instead, (laughs) it's time for you to sit down and stare at that monitor and make sure that the, you know, that they're getting, you know, that their temperature is steady and that their blood oxygen level is fine. And, And there's, you don't have to worry like that. And in fact, by saying now at last, you don't have to worry, suddenly you're worried. I never worry about my kid's blood oxygen level. It wasn't on my radar screen, literally. (laughs) And now it's supposed to be. And so the idea that, you know, that these products are going to make you feel more calm is deceptive. And in fact, the opposite. Right. Yeah. What a good point for people to realize that, that we're not in control and that's okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's the yeah. That's, the baby knee pads crack me up. Oh too. yeah, there's baby knee pads. I mean, all these things are oh, <laughs> right. I mean, they're for crawling, and there's um, there's a, a thing you can put on your kid's head while they're learning to toddle. It's like a, a helmet, and there's there's um, <laughs> there's, there's spoons that change color if the food is hot. Like you can't figure that out, uh, you know. So <laughs> oh my goodness, I know. So everything is written with two scripts. One is you are too stupid to keep your kid alive. You know, you better hire somebody or buy something. And two is your child is not likely to make it unless you buy this thing. And they might not make it. You know, they're not going to live because they're going to have a burnt mouth or they're going to be, you know, Moses did well, by the way. Moses <laughs> burned his mouth and ended up being yeah. quite, quite the leader. But anyways, <laughs> your kid is not going to make it or they're going to fall behind academically. So you better start, you know, with the with the, uh, you know, alphabet letters in the crib when they're zero, it's just everything. That's another no, one. I mean, oh both, my gosh. They, yeah. they come from the same source, which is that your child needs more from you and more, more money, more time, more effort, more stuff than any human being in the history of the world. Einstein, you know, Einstein, what did Einstein play with as a kid? Do you know? Oh, no, I no. don't. He, he made card houses. Right. Not flashcard houses, card houses. And I thought, like, you know, what a stupid waste of time. All it taught him was, oh, I don't know, patience, doing things over and over again until you get them, you know, letting your mind wander while you're doing something else. So your brain is sort of free to think about things. You know, so the idea that kids need all this special stuff is an insult. It is. It is. And it's funny because that actually is something that is very relevant to the homeschool community because we're always being asked like, oh, what curriculum do you use? I'm like, I don't. Uh, I don't actually because- Good for you. Wow. Yeah, because well, we're like really off on the hippie side where we're like, no, it's all like they can decide. Mm-hmm. It's not my job to entertain you or to make sure you're not bored. You know, I'm like, boredom's great. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so- Right. Yeah. Boredom is painful and then they'll do something exactly, to get out of it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, this this whole thing that like we need the perfect curriculum, we need to spend all this money. And the statistics actually show, we have a great graphic with the, with the homeschooling in particular, that it actually doesn't even matter how much money <laughs> you spend or the um, the education, education of the of the parents, of the parents yeah. it actually doesn't even matter. Really? Yeah, it uh, actually makes no was, difference uh, in the outcome. I think it was 2014. Yeah. It was like the Homeschool Legal Defense Fund, and they were just talking mm-hmm. about all these different statistics. Of course, the first ones that they highlight, which aren't as relevant to us because we're not so tied into these outcomes, is like they perform 20 to 30 percent better on tests than their schooled counterparts. And we're like, okay, cool. That's yeah, we don't whatever. really care that much. Anymore. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, and and that, that's, you know, across the board. And I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really cool. And and the other thing was the the if you spent 
more or less than $600 a year uh, on your child's education. There was no significant difference. And then, of course, the last one being like, you were, the, were the parents, did they go to college? Did they not go to college? No statistical difference between those groups as well. So, so it's amazing that's to really see that these kids—it's—it's it's on wow. them. What do you Another know? Another way we undermine kids. Learning you know, is like, self-motivated. Learning, learning is, comes yeah. from the child, and and that's where Peter Gray comes into all this too. Oh you know, like gosh, that's why yeah. we love him yes. because yes. it's yes. so true. If there's if that internal motivation isn't there, I mean, I didn't learn things that I wasn't really interested in. I mean, I mean, yeah. I'm sure I learned it for day, a test, still. but then I forgot. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know, there was a the, Peter, I think it's Peter Gray quotes. There's this study done of Princeton students, pretty smart. Um, who took uh, their physics test at the end of the school year, as they must, and then they tr- and, and the average grade was an A, and then they brought them back and gave the same students the same <laughs> test at the beginning of fall. And I think the average grade was, I could be exaggerating, but I think it was a D. Oh. And I so even Christian yeah. students, I mean, I, that's how I got through school. I'm good at memorizing, yeah. and I would memorize mm-hmm. for the test. And, and ask me, you know, what did Thoreau think? I mean, I was like, oh, Thoreau, pun. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yep. So you really have to be, and yet if stuff that I'm fascinated by, which is our culture at this point, you know, obviously I can talk for an hour, and I did. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, same with kids. All right, so let's go to, um, let's talk, why don't you ask the next question, my love, about, or I'll ask it. It's it's about, because this is something I haven't heard you talk about, and you you said that you love fat. So I was like, ooh, I want to I get into this. Cause, oh, I do love fat, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the subjects we love talking about is, you know, how our children's diets and lifestyles impact their behavior and their decision making. And it seems mm-hmm. like a lot of parents are completely oblivious to the idea that diet and even more specifically, things like sugar, processed oils, food dyes can affect these things. And obviously, we love how you dispel myths and get rid of the rational fear. But I feel like there's some nuance there um, when it comes to nutrition, because, you know, there are certain for us, at least non-negotiables, for instance, that we don't eat. Uh, what are your thoughts on the connection between nutrition and how it can impact their decision making and that, that resilience that we're trying to build? Wow, you have stumped me. One thing I totally have not studied at all. <laughs> no, literally, I haven't studied all nutrition. I, I do happen to like fat. So I was like, oh, <laughs> that's, that's great. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, it seems, you know, what I have studied is, you know, if you keep kids in a chair all day and you try to teach them stuff that has no relevance to their <laughs> daily lives, um, they're going to tune out just like we were talking about us tuning out, whether it was in college or kindergarten. Um, but in terms of food, I really don't know. I mean, I, I, I would guess that nutrition must play an important role in people's lives, but it's something I've spent literally zero time researching. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's, <laughs> right. no, that no, is that's totally so okay. And the only reason I asked is because curious, I know yeah. that you have talked about like, you know, how that part of that irrational fear is, you know, certain foods that, that people talk about, you know, don't eat this or, or, or you have to eat this or you have to feed them that. Are you getting them all their vitamins? Right, right. Um, and, and we agree with that. But I think also imagine pairing, you know, a really high sugar breakfast with the seated chair, you know, yeah, situation. Yeah, I'm just totally down on that seated chair part. That's that's really what I oh, yeah. But there was, wait, there was one thing I wanted to say about oh yeah back to the wabi-sabi thing so um you'd like alan levinovitz i I think you'd like his books um anyways he uh, one of the things he does for himself 
in terms of remembering that he doesn't have to be perfect is once in a while, he'll let his daughter, who's six years old, have a breakfast or a lunch of only ice cream. And it's, <laughs> and it's, I love it. It's just to remind himself that, like, no matter what he thinks is right or good or the best way to do things, you don't have to be perfect and things are still going right. to be okay. And, um, or he said the other thing is to like have kids watch four hours of TV in a row or come home and you know what, kid, you don't have to do your homework tonight. So just these ideas that um, when we're very strict with ourselves or with our kids, you know, there's, there's a lot more wiggle room in the, in the universe than we sometimes allow ourselves to believe. And um, it, it can be onerous to always be the perfect parent with always the perfect everything. Um, so the wabi-sabi thing for him is creating some imperfection in his kid's life just because he has to remind himself that his kid is going to be fine. She's not going to become a derelict or a drug addict because she had ice cream for breakfast or because she didn't do her homework. So, so that's just one thing I think sounded wise to me. I oh, like and that. we love that. And we, we are very kind of conscious of that because it, it, we're trying to manufacture um, struggle and, you know, you know, <laughs> we're like, we're the opposite. We're yeah, like, we're how, here, can we're I make how can they fail? Today? How, how can, you know, how can we learn today? You know, and, and it's a beautiful thing. Like this is a learning experience. I think parents should be like excited. Like, Ooh, this is, we're going to learn now. This is a good, right, thing. Right, yeah, right. we're going to grow. We're going to learn. This is a struggle. This is good. Right. Yeah. Or they're going to learn and we're going to be out back, you know, writing something on our computers while they play, you know, it's just, it's not. Exactly. It's, it's, there's there's exactly. time for you too. Are you guys whispering? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she I was, was, like, she was sorry. Like, yeah, she was like, I want to ask her about this. I was like, okay. Ask away. <laughs> ask her. Well, I might as well. One last question, but if I don't like it, then we have to ask another one. Let's hear it. <laughs> well, I just like how you in the book, you know, and I highly recommend we have it on our Amazon store, guys, her reading her book. Um, but you you give like, you know, free range baby mm -hmm. steps like you got you kind of give like little challenges mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. parents on how they can, you know, because some people might not know where to mm -hmm. start. So can you maybe give a few of those examples or how to, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm like I, 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 I kind of let the kids guide me to my book <laughs> as I stand here with my headset um, glued to my <laughs> computer. Um, I'll tell you, I can only, uh, there's a couple that I can remember off the top of my head. And one of them is really, yeah, just really probably irrelevant to um, a bunch of homeschoolers, but it was that in the morning when everybody's waiting at the bus stop, you know, every parent with every child offer to watch them all. And it doesn't have to be at the bus stop if you're not going to the bus stop. But if I you're going, that. you know, if you're waiting for soccer to start or if you're all, you know, waiting for something, you know, something to begin and every parent is standing there with every child as if every kid needs a security detail, um, you know, you can, <laughs> it, you can just you're reasserting community. Like, look at I'm happy to look after your kids. I don't think of it as a burden. I don't think that I'm, I'm stuck babysitting. It's like, that. I'm part of the community. I like these kids. I know them at this point. Uh, you know me, you know, give yourself a break and, and I'll watch them. And, and then maybe next time you'll watch them because uh, I it's, love it. you know, something that we were talking about earlier was the idea that you're not allowed to take your eyes off your kids ever. And this is just a sort of easy way of saying, Yes, you are, because you're not the only one who cares about your kids. You're part of a community that cares about your kids. And um, let's celebrate that instead of um, ignoring that fact. So, so that's just one little easy thing to do. And in the book, I also talk about uh, just 
just try to remember what kids did a generation or two ago or that they still do in so many other countries. Yeah. In Japan, the kids walk to school at age five or six. They're getting on the subway. They're, you know, in, I, I used to say this all the time. I said, from Switzerland to Swaziland, kids walk to school starting at age seven. And then I met a family that had lived in both. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and like, you're kidding. Wow. <laughs> and I said, do the kids walk to school at age seven? Like I keep saying, <laughs> and they do. So, so it's an honest to God fact that, that it's just normal for mm-hmm. kids to be out and about. There's, there was a great series of books, not a great series of books. There's a series of books about children that was written in the eighties. Um, you know, your four-year-old, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, the, the one about your six-year-old was your, your six-year-old loving and defiant. Um, and it had a little checklist. I mean, it was just about developmental stages and the checklist, mm-hmm. and this is from already into the eighties was, of course, by six, your child will have probably lost a few baby teeth and they can tie their shoes and they can tell their left from their right. And they have a radius probably of about eight blocks in the neighborhood where they can go to the park and, you know, go to the store. And it's like, what? <laughs> Six-year-olds were, it was just, it was a, it was just a completely nonchalant I norm. <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, not, not in the, you know, not in Neanderthal times. We're talking about the 80s. Um, when the crime rate was higher than today. And so why have we suddenly decided yeah. that, you know, we were capable of that, but our kids aren't? Uh, it's, just, it's just good to get a little perspective. Yeah, yeah. does it make sense? That's, that's, I think this is, this is great because we are starting this off with you and you're like, it's going to be a hard act to follow, but we just want to get people thinking about these other things. And uh, I know we're we're running long on time, so I want to just ask you one more thing, and that is just basically. <laughs> uh, 16, I, I would yes. love, no, I I definitely want to know what you're working on now, how people can find oh. you online. I think we're gonna we're gonna get involved for oh, sure wow. with Let Grow because we want to definitely, um, hopefully, increase your platform in any way that we can. But we'd yeah. love to hear any, anything else that you're working on, and of course, how people can find you online. Great. Well, um, I talked about all the things I'm working on, so you can just sort of reiterate them. Um, so it's letgrow.org, yep. L-E-T-G-R-O-W.org is the the website. Um, there's a couple of things we're doing. One is the you know the school initiatives, which you can do in a homeschool community as well, or at, like I said, through a church or synagogue, whatever. The Let Grow Project, which is letting kids go do something on their own. That's their job. And um, the other one is getting kids, giving kids time for free play that is not organized by an adult. If you go on Facebook, we have um, a sort of budding community there under the strange name, No More Helicopter Parenting, the Let Grow Support Group. Impossible to remember, but but the nice. point was that we, we, we did it for SEO. You know, it's like we wanted to hit every possible word. Helicopter, parenting, yeah. let grow, and support group. But what's nice about it is that it is a a place where you can ask a particular question. Like I want my seven-year-old to play outside, but I can't get him off the couch. Or is four years old too young to be playing in the backyard? I mean, there's, it's just, it's the community of sort of people who are interested in giving their kids more independence, talking amongst themselves and helping each other. So it really is, it's, um, it's a nice group there. I always find the conversations interesting. So there's that. And, um, and then if you're interested in possibly having your town become a let grow or a free range kids town by passing a little proclamation that says we want kids out and about and we're not going to consider parents negligent for letting their kids be part of the community. That's all on the let grow site too. At the bottom, it says let grow proclamation, let grow law or free range kids law. You know, if you want to try to get um, politically involved, do that. Try to get 
need to pass a law like mm-hmm. some of the states are. And you can always drop us a line. Um, any question you have or idea uh, is info at letgrow.org. And, um, you know, we're, we're a little slow sometimes in responding, <laughs> uh, but you will get an answer back. And um, we'd love to hear from you. And, and, and if your kid does something, independently that you're proud of, like you got up the guts and you let them, you know, run an errand for you or walk down the street or go to grandma's house or Mm -hmm. cook dinner. We would really appreciate it if you would put it online somewhere and um, perhaps use the hashtag let them, which is something that I haven't even told anyone yet, but we're trying to. I love it. Oh, great. We're going to start. We'll, we'll be the first. We really have our fat Let them is going to be the hashtag because it's like, yeah, it's cool. I right? like yeah. it. Yeah, let them. So that's it. Wow. Well, we're going to definitely start doing that. We have a, a kid's account where we share what they eat and stuff. And we share like, you know, all the things that they do, mm-hmm. like with homeschooling. So we're going to start pounding that hashtag. That's I love that it. Yeah, let them, sure. you know, let them climb a tree. Let them make dinner. Yeah, let them. Right, let them. That's funny you say make dinner. That's actually Desmond has to do that for his Cub Scouts thing. Oh, yeah, make, he's got to cook us dinner. And and all the parents are freaking out, and I'm and I'm, I'm just because that's another here, thing like, we oh, let them cut their steaks and how to, how to grill yeah. a, a steak, you know, on a, on a cast iron. He hasn't done that yet. Wow. So yeah, let's let's do that. Yeah, that sounds delicious. So. This has been so great. <laughs> <laughs> we are so grateful for you yes, coming on, you so Lenora. Much. We are just honored to have you on, and we cannot wait uh, for everybody to hear this episode and and anyone who doesn't know you yet for them to to know you like we know you. That sounds great. <laughs> right, like well, you've known okay. No, I feel like you do because you knew like, oh my god, they know that statistic. Oh my god, they knew that. Story. We know all the things <laughs> you do. Really, it's like the FBI for me. Um, so, I love it. so thank you so much for having me on. Well, have awesome. an awesome day. Thank you, Lenore. Okay, bye, guys.
Yeah.